Hello, you fabulous interior design professional. Welcome to Business of Design, episode 263, Choose Your Vendors Wisely. (laughs) Sounds kind of ominous. In this episode, we are going to talk about the various ways who you decide to do business with will impact you. It will impact you in terms of the level of customer service you provide to clients. And I know we all want to make our clients happy, so that's important. It will impact you in terms of your profitability. If you're going to buy a sofa, are you going to make $2,000 on that sofa or $4,000 on that sofa or $9,000 on that sofa? So often when I'm talking about choosing your A-team, I'm thinking of my contractor, my plumber, my tiler. But in point of fact, I do have an A-team of vendors and suppliers as well. And they identify themselves because over the years we've built trust. And when something goes wrong, those are the vendors, those are the suppliers that step up and say, let me figure out what I can do to help you. I say this all the time. We can't do our job alone. We have to rely on a hundred different people, people who sell brands. And we need those people to go to bat for us when something goes wrong. We need them to help us find solutions to our toughest challenges. We need them to direct us if we're about to make a terrible mistake. Oh, you don't want to put that wallpaper in a powder room where there are three little boys, right? You would be better off choosing a vinyl paper or even just painting for now. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) In this episode, we're going to talk about what we can expect from a vendor, where we're going to get the best service, and I'm going to interview two brothers, Alex and Peter Spaulding. Peter has an interior design background, and so he knows firsthand how difficult our job is, and his brother Alex joined him in the business, kind of a right brain, left brain tag team, and they recently launched... Daniel House Club. You may have heard the name the last few weeks on the podcast because they have been sponsoring the show, so thank you for that. We're going to spend our time on this episode talking about why that vendor relationship is so important, why you should always be concerned about what's in it for you, of course what's in it for the client, of course, but also what's in it for you, and some of the key things you're looking for as you are assessing whether or not to make someone a key vendor. I'm going to do a little shout out as well because Peter and Alex also recorded a MobiOD episode for us, which is the members only podcast, no commercials, no plugs, that kind of thing. It's just for BOD members and we can deep dive and talk about some of the mechanics that are inside the business of design business training that so many of you have taken. In the MobiOD episode which is live now as well, you're going to hear a conversation about profit margin, which is really, really important. But something, I think it was Alex, something Alex said, which is critically important, you should either work for free or work for full price, nothing in between. Because if you work for free, you will quickly realize it's not sustainable. But if you work for half price, you may fool yourself and keep doing that over and over and over again. And that, that's how you stay broke. And we don't want that. 
We don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. No, thank you. Man, I wish I had this information many years ago, many, many years ago, but better late than never. Start where you are. I'm happy I have it now. We're going to jump into this chock full episode, but before we do, you know we have to check in with Cheryl Horn. Thanks for being here, everyone. Thanks, Kimberly. Well, if you missed it, last week's BOD Live, we talked about hourly versus flat fee contracts, and it was a bit of a full house. Apparently, hourly versus flat fees is a bit of a hot topic. Who knew? Uh, But if you missed it, if you weren't able to join us live, the recording of that BOD Live member meeting is available until our next meeting on March 16th. And at that next meeting, we're going to be talking about hiring employees versus contractors, which is something else we get a lot of uh, questions about. So make sure you mark your calendar for that. Catch up on what you missed and make sure you can join us for that next one. Uh, We are closing in on the BOD Elite Retreat Santa Monica. So if you're interested, please check out uh, the website. Full details are there. Reach out to me if you have any questions. And we're excited that Bill Lane has joined us as a sponsor for that event. Uh, They last partnered with us for the 2020 conference. And I know so many of our members uh, and attendees started working with them at that point. Uh, I know that they've grown considerably since and they are doing really well. And they've been so supportive of everything we do here at Business of Design. So we're excited to partner with them again. So please, if you're interested, check out the BOD Elite Retreat. It will be here before you know it. And of course, members still save $500 on their tickets. So check it out. And last but not least, the BOD Boss Group, which is launching on August 1st. We are starting to see all those applications roll in, which is really fun for us to see how everyone is doing and check those out and start putting our next group together. So if you are interested, uh, there's still time. So make sure you check that out. And uh, the application is available to you on the website. Of course, if you've got any questions, reach out to me, Cheryl at businessofdesign.com. That's it for today. Thanks so much. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Can, uh, how are you? Nice to meet you, first of all. Nice, <laughs> nice to meet you, you also. Hi. Yeah. Alex, Peter. Peter. Uh, I was going to ask if we could shorten it to Alex. Okay, Alex and Peter, you guys kind of look like you might be fraternal twins. We get that occasionally. We aren't. No. Uh, That's we're crazy. three years apart. Um, and we never got that until about three years ago. So so you're fine. Yeah, we're used to it now. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> really nice us. to meet you. And I'm really excited to learn more about Daniel House Club. And do you guys say Daniel House Club? Or Daniel House Club? <laughs> We've not been asked that question before. Oh. Probably closer to the latter. Let me hear Daniel you House say Club. it. Daniel House Club. Okay, Alex, what about you? Daniel House Club. Daniel House Club. Okay, cool. I kind of hesitated on that. Like, where do you put the M? 
emphasis. Um, but none of that matters. What really matters is that you two guys come from a design background, so you understand all the pain we have in our lives working face-to-face with clients, and you've come up with a solution to help us be more profitable. Does that kind of, in a nutshell, sum up what's happening? It does. I think that's perfect. Yes. Tell us the origin story. We started out, well, actually, I should say a long, long time ago when we were kids, we uh, talked about what, starting. What, is that like 2020, 2013? <laughs> well, thank you. That's very generous of you. Um, no, we're we're uh, in our 30s yeah. now. Now that I've crossed over to 30, I feel sad. No. <laughs> it's all good. So because... Because our names are Peter and Alex, we first um, came up with the idea for Pitali, which was going to sell cookies. And that one was when we were 10. And it sounded sort of Italian and luxurious. And um, then we sort of put our thoughts of working together on pause because we fought a lot and hated each other like all brothers do. Um, and then I, I really wanted to have a design firm of my own. I had worked for some great designers and architects in Manhattan and um, moved out to Portland, Oregon, uh, but was really kind of terrified of the business part of it and um, knew that I had a brother who wasn't terrified of that part. So I asked if he would be uh, my my sort of partner and that's, I said, yes. (laughs) That's highly convenient that your mom gave birth to someone who was the yin to your yang. (laughs) <laughs> That's uh, exactly how we describe it, actually. So perfect. Yes, yeah. I would be totally lost without Alex. And Alex can't draw anything to save his life. So I feel like can't. Alex is probably the person who we're going to lean on for this episode because you, you, Peter, you sound exactly like me and every other interior design professional I know, but not everybody has an Alex. Yeah. Alex, absolutely. what when you when you first joined forces with Peter after a moment where you said, Oh my god, this guy's totally lost without me, what was like the biggest thing you had to solve for your brother? <clears throat> well, I I don't want to say he's totally lost without me, but um systems. So I actually think when one of the funniest things about us, uh, even from childhood, is that his be- you'd walk into his bedroom and it would be perfectly clean. But then you'd open the closet and it would fall out on you. And you'd walk into my bedroom and it would be a disaster, but you'd open all my drawers and my closets and they'd be perfectly aligned. And I could find everything really, really quickly. And I think that was like the thing to do at the beginning was create systems for ways to work and then adapt to those. Cause I'm like, I would create systems that work for me who like systems, but a designer or Peter, it's like, they don't work at all. And so trying to get creative for things that actually will meet uh, a creative mind like Peter's where he currently is, but help bring him into a more organized fashion. I think that's the best visualization I've ever heard to explain the difference between that creative side and the business side is the closet metaphor that you use. So thank you for that. That was amazing. Peter, did you, were you ready and willing to accept Alex's help because you'd kind of been beat down by the business or was there some resistance? No, I think that I, um, you know, the only way that I could get through a project on my own is that I see the picture sort of fully formed and I know where I'm going. And I, so I remember all the pieces that are super, super important. But as he said, I have very, very limited organizational skills. So 
No, I think we've always known these are our lanes and this is where we can contribute. Um, yeah. So assuming that you had some success working together in the capacity of an interior design professional, what was the impetus to move away from that and create Daniel House Club? Yeah, we actually were able to be fairly successful in our design firm. We grew pretty rapidly. Uh, we operated it for about five years. But the big impetus was as we grew problems grew with us. And going back to those systems, they just had to be scaled up pretty quickly. That got um, pretty expensive. And what we realized furniture was a great way for us to make money, but it also was a great way for us to go crazy, trying to find it all, trying to source it all, trying to keep all of our uh, vendors uh, aware of who we are what our, and get even responding to our emails. So we developed this internal system to catalog all of our various vendors' products so we could find them and source them uh, on our own without relying on their bad websites or their physical mailings. And that actually was so much easier and made us think, it's like, what if we had this when we first started? What would we be like today? We would, we'd be more profitable. Uh, we'd be a lot saner because we hadn't gone crazy with 30 Excel pages and 20 different effectively Rolodex of vendors. Uh, so we like, this is what designers need. They, they need a system like this so they can start their design business and get access to all of the vendors they'd ever want at the pricing they want and be able to order it at the click of a button without needing to go through the, the hoops and jump over the hurdles that we ran over for four years. This is so fascinating to me. It reminds me of how Business of Design got created. I finally figured out these systems that worked, and then I started sharing them with other people. And they said, hey, they work for us too. So I love that what you created was actually put through the paces of an actual interior design firm. So you you weren't guessing at what designers need. I find so often that's what happens. People kind of think, oh, designers must need this, but they don't know anything about us. And you guys are actually sharing tools that you used in your interior design practice, knowing that they work. Mm -hmm. And since you've kind of brought your own origin up a little bit, uh, we should maybe credit you with, uh, we listened to your podcast quite a bit. Um, and we, and we learned the term discount share from you and, um, and we built it into the website and that was kind of the impetus for our discount levels. I Um, love it. That's we so actually, cool. So there's a feature we haven't we haven't told you about yet on the website that allows uh, designers to source. Uh, sorry, to organize their projects. Uh, they can put the various products they're interested in different rooms and for different projects, and then they can set pricing levels when they share it with their client. And we we call it discount sharing based off your teachings. Uh, and we allow them if depending on the tier they're on, which is thirty percent off, 40% off or 50% off, they can share whatever portion of their discount with their client they want. This is so helpful. It's unbelievably helpful. And you know, we're so happy to have you guys as sponsors. Uh, I don't know if they told you when you got in touch with us, but we say no to like 80% of people who approach us to sponsor. Did they tell you that? Oh, we didn't know. We, didn't. we rarely have sponsors. We, uh, we've had, we have two, um, we'll have two this year, but most years we have one or 
none. Um, wow. And the reason is so, so much of what they're selling isn't actually helpful to us. It, it doesn't <laughs> actually, we don't need it. Yeah. Um, but I, what I really love about this is that you understand the need for us to have profit and profit margins on the things that we sell to clients. Otherwise, why are we selling them if it's not profitable? Yeah, yeah to- totally. Well, I, we did not know that. So thank you. That that makes us feel great. Yeah, um, but yeah. yes. We're, yeah. If, we're you, also- if you listen to the podcast, you must wonder, why don't they ever have sponsors? How do they pay for this? <laughs> so we pay for it with our members. You know, our members allow us right. to do this and we're very, very grateful. I want to, um, because, you know, we want to make sure that this isn't just us saying how great Daniel House Club is, which it is. We also want to make sure that the viewers listening who haven't yet met you and taken the plunge, come away with some really good information about why it, why profit margin matters and what you can do as you're thinking about procurement for your business. So I want to ask you guys, what are the mistakes we make as interior design professionals when we're sourcing furniture or goods on behalf of our clients? I think one of the top ones is chasing after small discounts. And People go through. Can we crazy name hurdles. names? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, maybe. <laughs> well, we have an anecdote, which might be now might be the time to share. Mm-hmm. Um, we were persuaded by a dear client to purchase for her basement living room a Pottery Barn sectional, and Pottery Barn doesn't have the worst discount in the industry, but it certainly is not very good. Right. Um, so we procured it at maybe eighteen. 20% off, our client could have gotten that price if she waited for a sale. Um, and we ordered it and the lead time was reasonable back in the day, like three months. Um, it came and long before we had even been looking at sofas, she had shared with me a story that, and said, I know you're interested in, ha- in having a chase sectional, but I can't have a chase in my house. It just makes me think of this incident and I don't want it. So the, the sectional arrived and it was a chase sectional and she called and she said, you're going to get this in my house any which way you can. And I said, no, 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 I didn't know. Um, we'll call and have it taken away right away. So we call pottery barn. They said, okay, we'll, we'll send you a different one. Three more months. It comes it's the same wrong sectional oh again. Oh my gosh, yeah. And you would think that this was the end, but it actually happened a third time. And after all of this, we tracked 60 hours that we could not bill to the procurement of this single item. And they wouldn't give us any, no, any more off than the 20%. So, yeah, so don't chase that. It's not going to be worth it. Oftentimes you go through hoops and hurdles. Some of the vendors, like, Crate and Barrel, pretty. We've had good experience. They're easy yeah. to order from, but you're you're just not going to make very much off of it. Well, you're not going to make very much money, and at the end of the day, is the finished product in any way yeah. special? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I just want to say something. If you're listening, you know we do charge for deficiencies, particularly if a client insisted I order from Pottery Barn, and it was a big gong show. I would bill for every second it took to correct it, because before I ordered from Pottery Barn, I would say, "Are you sure? Because we could do a custom sofa that's a better quality, 
a little tiny bit more money, but such a better quality, and we'd have a lot more control over it. So um, we do bill for deficiencies. But yeah, the bottom line is so many things can go wrong, and you can make a mistake. I can make a mistake. And in that case, I really will be giving my time for free because, you know, so stop chasing those small discounts. And you're so right, because if Pottery Barn is 20% or so, there are lots of places that are 10% or 5% or no percent. And at that point, there's no possible reason you should be ordering that those five percent discount basically insulting. <laughs> what what are you doing here? Yeah, um, and I, you know, I know what we're doing. I I think I can I think I can speak for our listeners because we are one. Um, we're trying to meet an impossibly low budget. We're trying yeah. to give the client what she asked for or what he asked for. But in point of fact, clients don't know what things should cost, and they certainly don't know the difference between what it feels like to sit on a pottery barn sofa and what it feels like to sit on a Montauk sofa or, you know, even a restoration hardware sofa compared to that, or certainly a custom sofa. Yeah. So actually in that, um, related to what you said about your contracts and billing for deficiency, we did after that, uh, build in some other pieces to our contract. Uh, our contract said that you had to consult with us before you bought anything during Mm -hmm. the project. Uh, we might allow it and we might not bill for it, but we didn't want that disrupting the flow of the project. Uh, and Peter being surprised by, Oh, you now have a table I need to design around. Uh, or having issues like this that we kind of got stuck with. But the, the next thing we were, we were thinking is kind of a, a top advice in this category is not chasing uh, small discounts, but also just avoiding the big box stores in, entirely. And having because you have the confidence, because you're valuable, to say, you know what, I know this is what you're familiar with, but let me introduce you to this whole world that I know about that is where all of my value, not all of my value, but a huge amount of my value comes in because I can make it so much more special and higher quality, very similar pricing in a lot of ways. So don't get sucked in by your client insisting that they saw this thing they love at Pottery Barn, which happens a lot. So would you categorize a big box store? Would that be any of the big brands? Are you talking about, like, for example, Restoration Hardware? Are you talking about, you're not just talking about Home Depot and Lowe's and... (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the big names that that the big name furniture stores that your clients know. I mean, everybody who's listening knows that um, we live in a kind of weird time when when even people who could afford a lot more look at restoration hardware and think that's the ultimate luxury. Um, And I think part of our job is to demonstrate to them that it's not. Um, And and. I think everybody knows that, but it's very difficult to um, stand in front of them and say, this thing might take X more dollars and this many more weeks to get to you, but it's going to be worth it. I think you have to be pretty confident. Yeah. You know, I don't have a hate for restoration hardware. I really don't. I know some people do, but the reality is if I walk into someone's home and they purchase anything from restoration hardware, like I know that the second I walk in. So for me, the best argument for something like that is, oh, you want what your neighbors have. Yes. You know, you want what everybody has. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. Hmm. 
so to we actually because of restoration hardware and uh, and we don't hate restoration yeah. hardware either we have purchased happily from they them do such yeah. a good job connecting with their customers and, and they do such a good job kind of uh, can i say this will will someone come and take me away they do <laughs> such a good job being inspired by other designers yeah. they do yeah. do that yeah. yes mm. totally but they were kind of uh, an inspiration in us and how do we have uh, we know clients often like them. We know off, designers often want to avoid them, even if they, they like them. Uh, so we built the tools on our website so designers could interact with their clients as they're shopping to make it almost as easy as it is to go into a restoration hardware or to go to restorationhardware.com or rh.com. Uh, because that was part of what we noticed a lot in our clients is they would stay up late at night and be on their phones shopping because they were just so addicted and so excited and it would throw the project in a different direction because they're like, yeah. oh, did you see these 20 things? And so we wanted to make this tool so designers could share it with their clients so they could be looking at what they suggested late at night, uh, not what, you know, Wayfair might have. Oh, we're not talking about Wayfair. No. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't have thrown that one in. Um, no, but yeah, the, the staying up late at night looking and shopping, I think people aren't even trying to, I don't think it's always the case that your client is trying to shop you. I think sometimes they're enjoying the process the way that they know how. Yeah. And, um, and they know how, because restoration hardware and other great retailers have taught them that behavior. Mm -hmm. And so if we can closely mimic that behavior, um, I think we're at an advantage. If we can make purchasing as easy as it is on those other sites. Right. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good point. So I think there's, there's that the purchasing is so easy. It's so familiar, especially thank you COVID. Uh, but mm-hmm. also you can go into a, a restoration hardware, for example, and you can sit on a thousand sofas and that there's a measure of comfort there. So we yes. do have an uphill battle when we're trying to explain to clients why we think custom sofa is the right way to go. I know that, um, I, yeah, anyway, I think we beat that horse to death, I guess we, we, we don't hate restoration hardware. And there's a time and a place for it. But if you're actually looking at becoming profitable and creating a signature style, that's not the place you should be shopping. Right. And especially now, everybody knows, uh, having a custom piece made is probably going to be faster and the yeah. same price. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's and how I go. A, a uh, future note, we are working on making custom very, very easy. That I, I'll say that for the future. It's very, very hard to make it very easy, um, but it is in our plans. And we're really excited about that because custom is so cool. You know, I've been thinking so much about having standards recently, and I, I think there's a place in the market for a company to set the standard, and then I could rely on them to set the standard, if that makes sense. Like if I knew this vendor is all about, I'll give you a good example. There's a Canadian company, Montauk. Their sofas are ridiculous. It's $40,000 for a small sectional. And I'm telling you, they are without a doubt the most comfortable sofa in the whole world. The problem is not every client is going to spend $40,000 on a sectional. So, you know, and, 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 you know, but I need, you know, maybe we need that supplier who can create the $20,000 sectional that's exceptionally comfortable. And then you just know that's my supplier for life. I'm not going to anyone else because I know this is, 
this works 100% of the time. So anyway, just it's kind of like when you go to Instagram and you follow somebody whose feed is super curated, you become invested in that person's Yes. Choices, right? So that's, I think that's part of what you're trying to create with um, Daniel House Club. Do you ever call it D- DHC? We call it DH quite a lot. DH. I don't know. DH. No, we, ha- we actually, in our design life, had been called DH. Well, Daniel House Studios, which abbreviates to DHS, which was very, very confusing for people. Um, so we dropped the S. Yeah. So okay. DH is usually. So that's still stuck in us. Uh, but you're allowed to call it Daniel House, too. That's Daniel a little, House. Okay. Yeah. 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 E- either is acceptable. Call it anything, but you have to go check it out. Tell everybody how they can find Daniel House Club. Yeah. Well, that is our website. It's danielhouse.club. And that's a, that's a little weird, but you know, we kind of lean into being a little quirky, a little fun. Um, so type in danielhouse.club and, uh, right on the homepage, you'll be able to learn about us a little bit about us as uh, brothers. I think our pictures are up there. Uh, you can see, uh, the benefits of joining and learn about our three tiers and, our whole thing is being simple. We really just want this to be like a part of your business. You don't have to worry about because you can find cool furniture and get really excited about that. And we, we want that to be so easy. So there are three tiers you can join as a free member for 30% off. Uh, and we have flat shipping, uh, for 10% as a pro member, which is just uh, $29 a month. And that'll give you 40% off, still just the flat percent, uh, flat 10% shipping, or as a Pro Plus member, which is 50% off, uh, same shipping level. And uh, all of those have the same uh, level of service. You can reach out to a concierge. There's live chat. Uh, there's emails. I will say we, as we value designers' time, we value our concierge time. So it's live chat during uh, business hours. And we will get back to you within a day. Uh, and we love when you ask us for things we don't have on the, on the site because we really try to go find those. And that is a big part of what we do every day is just try to find new vendors that designers are asking for. So if you see something, or if you don't see something, let us know and we will work as hard as we can to make that available. Well, I, we are going to be placing our first order, and I will report back and let everybody know how it went. But I'm excited to uh, give it a try, particularly since I, I know your podcast listeners now. There's even more enthusiasm for jumping on board. <laughs> yes. Great. And if I could speak a little bit to the, the club name, I mean, it has been from the beginning a goal of ours that we have a real community feel with our designer members. So when people join, we send them a handwritten card that says thanks for becoming a member. Um, We send out a quarterly publication that um, includes the work of some of our members. So, and it doesn't have to be that they've specified a bunch of stuff from Daniel House, although that is wonderful. Um, So we really want to get to know people and share what other people are doing um, because we think, you know, building up the design community is just super, super important. Our missions are totally aligned. I'm excited about that. Is there a home base for you guys? Is there a home base for, for um, Daniel House Club? Uh, we're in Portland, Oregon. So that is our home. Uh, we our, our mom is from Portland, and Peter moved back here to renovate her house when uh, she moved back. We grew up in Wisconsin. But she moved here back to her hometown, and then Peter followed from New York to renovate her house, and then I followed. I was living in England at the time and moved here, 
And so that's, that's where we are now. I love it. I love it. Maybe one day it looks like the world is opening up a little bit and I'm just like dying to get out more. Uh, so maybe we'll figure out a way to do a, a BOD Daniel House Club event live okay. in uh, Oregon. That would be so fun. That would, that would be, be super great. fun. Portland has been through a rough phase, but it is, it's turning around and it's, and it's pretty out. A, a, a note, it's sunny today. It's almost never sunny here. And so we're thrilled. <laughs> That's so good. Thanks so much. You've given me uh, renewed enthusiasm for being very mindful and intentional around the suppliers I choose to work with and what that means for my bottom line. And we're going to continue the conversation at MoBOD for members only. We're going to talk about the bottom line. We're going to talk about profitability. So if you're not yet a member of Business of Design, you really should be. But let me ask you this. We like to end every episode with design intervention. What bit of business advice do you think is critical to interior design professionals listening? So... Peter came up with a great phrase here. Uh, We think designing your business is as important as designing your projects. And I, uh, my first job was an internship at one of the biggest car dealerships in the country. It's a good family friend of ours owned it. And when we started our business, I sat down with him, got some advice. And one of the things he said was spend an hour a day thinking about how to grow your business, which sounds kind of crazy. sounds kind of crazy. If you're busy, you're being pulled in, a thousand ways in your projects, and we know how that goes. And to sound like real humans, we definitely have not always adhered to that advice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, but it's really an important thing to do. It's, you know, the other way I think about this is the classic business cliche, work on your business, not in your business. And I, I do want to say, I think you could take this too far. It's not an hour a day thinking about new ways to make yourself go crazy. You don't have to start new lines in your of operations. You don't have to start doing Christmas decorations or commercial work or something. But how can you get more clients? How can you connect with your clients um, more deeply? How can you refine your systems so you are saner? How can you look at what's actually costing you a lot? of money and we we noticed that it's really easy that on that last note it's really easy for things to just get out of hand because a thousand transactions keeping track of those in quickbooks is really really hard so this is a time every single day be disciplined in that to think about the way your business operates and stop thinking about what you're doing in your business even though it's so important to continue doing that but you'll just you go crazy. You go absolutely nuts if you don't allow some time and space to yeah. uh, to be a little calm, <laughs> a little focused on on um, the rest of your the rest of the things going on. Right. And if I could speak to designing your business uh, just a little bit further, because for aesthetically minded people, that also means like really curating your your look, um, but. My very first job was for a woman who did a had a staging company in New York, and she said, "Don't buy a paper clip for your business if you don't have to," which I also think can be carried to an extreme. But for a while, we had a very nicely curated office. It was expensive. Um, the things in it were expensive, and the return, if we really looked at the books just wasn't there. And now we share space with an upholstery manufacturer and it isn't beautiful. 
Um, but we feel much more confident in what we're doing every day. Such, Um, such really good advice. You guys, thank you so much. Can't wait to meet you in person one day. And, uh, like I said, I'm going to be placing that order soon and reporting back to the business of design community. Thank you for supporting business of design. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us on. It's been really fun. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.